So you don't know what it's going to cost or what they have to do? <sighs> we have no idea what it's going to be. If it's like yeah, the water pump or um, uh, she needs a new temperature gauge. But there's no smoke coming out of her. And she... That's okay. I mean, she runs like the day I bought her. Yeah. I got her with 33 miles on her. So... Damn. We're okay. kind of, we're kind of connected. Like... <laughs> yeah. Like BB-8 and Poe. I hope you have like a uh, X-wing pilot jumpsuit that you wear occasionally when you drive that truck. No, but that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Make Aaron dress up like Chewie. I do talk to her in Rubber Dash, so <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, don't worry, Chewie, it's okay. You got this." Control. Every so often, gotta give it a swift punch to make everything turn on. <laughs> she doesn't have a radio right now, so um, <laughs> I turn my phone on and I put it in the little console, and it kind of gives me a speaker. <laughs> but. uh I mean, she's a little workhorse. She does what she I, needs I would to definitely do. classify that as having special modifications, like the Falcon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to bypass the compressor. And welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and His Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is the one and only Paula Miller. Relo is my halo. <laughs> You're going to keep that even when Bradley's not here. I think I so. It. Yeah, because he's eventually going to listen to it. So I doubt that, but I'm make, <laughs> we'll try to make sure he does. So Bradley, this one's for you. Um, all right, so Paula and I are the only ones here. We will be talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. I wouldn't let you go solo on this one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of solo puns or jokes mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. I think I think this will work really, really well. Um, so, if you haven't been following along, Solo is the second Star Wars standalone movie after Rogue One. Um, I don't know if... I mean, I'm still trying to figure out if maybe this movie, more so than Rogue One, is trying to test the water. If they are able to revisit single character stories and spin off standalones like this. Cause Rogue One was kind of an ensemble for what they did. Solo is based strictly basically on Han. I guess you could even include Chewie in there too. Right. Um, and if you believe the the rumors, cause nothing, I, I keep saying they're rumors cause nothing has officially been announced yet, but they, there are rumors of at least two, maybe three other character standalone spinoffs that may be happening. And I think, I, like, Boba Fett's the most recent one that came up. Obi-Wan's been rumored for a while. Yoda keeps coming up for some reason, and I don't really know if I want to see that one either. So, I again, I'm calling them rumors because I haven't seen anything official from Lucasfilm or Disney saying that these are happening, that there's a director attached, or anybody creatively linked to these things. It's a lot of internet speculation at this point. So we'll see. And that's what I'm wondering if they're not officially announcing anything until after this movie comes out and how it does to see where they go from here. But again, I guess time will tell for that. I agree. I I did just read something today about how there was rumors out there that there's going to be two more solo films. Um, that, I'm pretty sure Alden signed for three. Yeah. From what I heard. So I would not be upset with that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We, yeah. We'll get into that. Cause I, I agree. Um, and if you haven't been following along with this movie, what I wanted to do just at first is this this one definitely above all the other 
recent Star Wars movies that have come out, this one seems to have the most shit happen to it over the last year or so. Uh, so it, it probably has been about a year, I think. Um, this movie started to get in, into a bit of trouble. Uh, originally, they had Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who directed the Lego movie and the Jump Street movies, were hired to direct this movie with a script from Lawrence and John Kasdan. The movie was in fully in production. It had about three weeks left of principal photography, and Lord and Miller were fired from the film. The official PR response was, quote-unquote, creative differences between directors, producer Kathleen Kennedy, and the Kasdans. So, it was... That completely caught everybody off guard, I think. No one was expecting that to happen or realized that, that this movie was in that much trouble. And then shortly after that blew up, it was announced that Ron Howard would be coming in to save the project... Uh, the most recent number I think that I had read was that Howard reshot about 70% of the film, which is why he is the sole director credit on the film. And the numbers that I saw tossing around too, that it forced the budget from originally 150 million up to 250 million. That's what I read as well. Will, yeah. Okay. And that's going to come into play, I think in a little bit here. Um, and I know we've talked about this drama when it blew up that we did do an episode of talking about all the shit that happened and why that they might have left and stuff like that. So if you want to revisit that, that's out there. Um, and I know we talked about some of the trailers on previous episodes, even when we talked about the trailers, I don't really remember too many of us getting really excited for it. Like, I think we were going to see it obviously, but I don't think it was, it was really high on anybody's radar, at least not compared to like, the levels of episode seven or eight or anything like that, or even rogue one. Even I think we really looked forward to rogue one from the trailers too. Um, and I don't know if it had anything to do with it, but the opening weekend for solo did not do very well, at least compared to other star Wars movies and what they projected. Um, it opened over the three day weekend at 85 million, which was lower than predictions. If you count the four day Memorial day weekend, I think it just crossed a hundred million. I think it was like one Oh three. So it is now, I think, projected to finish its theatrical run below $500 million, which is low for a Star Wars movie. Um, I think the, the, that's the number that I, I think I've seen for them to basically break even. If they make $500 million, the movie is even. And all the other recent Star Wars movies, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, all of those have crossed over $1 billion in their theatrical run. So this one will fall well below other Star Wars movies. So I, I just I oh, can't imagine like that. This one just seems like so much more fun than Rogue One. Like Rogue One was so dark, and this one just seems yeah. like such a fun time. Um, I'm just surprised it's not doing better. And that's something I want to get into too, because like considering since now that we've seen it, and even though it may not have been high on on people's anticipation list, I do think it's a lot better than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And now that we're reading about how how bad it did, I guess it's opening weekend and not even word of mouth, because I feel like word of mouth is actually pretty good for this movie, too. But what do you think it is about this movie at this time that caused it to fall below what it probably should have? Like, I don't know if it was, do you think it was the the few bullet points I have, like release date might have been a thing. Timing. Could this be like franchise fatigue? Could it be with all the behind the scenes shit that happens? Is there any other ideas you have why this may have fallen short all of those things <laughs> i think the timing of it it's being released with deadpool 2 it's being released with avengers um the controversy behind it um but if you're gonna have like a pitch hitter like it's ron howard like come on yeah ron howard's gonna save the day um 
I mean, I was looking more. I was looking forward to this more than Rogue One. Okay. Um, I just with Harrison Ford being so beloved, it's so hard to think of somebody else in his role. And you know, Alden didn't really look like Han Solo. Right. Right. Um, I know we talked about like there was other choices I probably would have went with, but as you're getting into the movie, you're like kind of falling into it and accepting that it's, you know, this is the Han Solo version that we get. Um, right, right. But yeah, I think it's all of those things that kind of, I don't think there it's fatigue, but I do believe there's some butthurt fanboys out there who hated The Last Jedi, who that, yeah. are just rebelling and not seeing anything because Kathleen Kennedy's in charge and they hate her, which is ridiculous because she's amazing. I mean, we have Star Wars, so shut up and see the movie. <laughs> right, yeah. That was, yeah, that was something I was going to bring up, too. I think coming only six months after The Last Jedi, and as as divisive as that movie is, I think there is a lot of Star Wars fans that were really turned off from the franchise just because of that movie. And now they just, like you said, they're sort of, like, in spite of, just, just to, like, spite Kathleen Kennedy and everybody, like, oh, we're not going to see your shit anymore, so take that. I mean, it's a cast and written movie. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great ride. It's an enjoyable movie. And there's um, some things in it I can't say right now because it was a spoiler. <laughs> Good thing I caught myself. See, I can I do it, Brian. Edit you out. I don't want to have to edit you out. <laughs> yeah, don't want to make you do more work. Um, but yeah, I do think it's all of those things that I hit on most of them. Like, Yeah, I think, I mean... You mentioned the two movies that it's it's competing against right now that are the top three is Infinity War, Deadpool 2, and Solo. Mm-hmm. And Solo won its weekend with, you know, over the three-day weekend, I think it was 80, what did I say, 85 million? Yeah. Deadpool 2 in its second weekend did 53 million. Now, if they pick a weekend that's not around Deadpool 2, that 53 million could have went straight to Solo. If there's, like, and this is the thing, I know Josh and I have talked about this on previous episodes, is... Star Wars had a good thing releasing in December. Why they chose to push this one to May really boggles me, especially out of... So, from what I remember, all the recent Star Wars movies, Force Awakens, Rogue One, Last Jedi, all of those were intended to be released in May. And all of them, for whatever reason, had different things happen where they delayed them until December. Mm -hmm. Now, the same thing happened with Episode Nine too. That was intended to go for May of 2019, but with the director shake up there, they pushed that to December so they could get that going. Solo, which had, I would think, the biggest director shake up out of all of these movies, right. did not have its release date changed. Out of all of them, why would you not move this one back to December? Especially considering the three movies prior to that have owned December. Right. I wonder what's happening in December. Is there something crazy going on, like some big movie that it would have to the compete only with? See, I haven't looked at the schedule recently. The only thing I can think of is maybe Disney itself has some other big movie that they're trying to release in December, and yeah. they don't want to compete against themselves. But at the same time, with Avengers still in theaters, they are sort of still competing with themselves. So what's the difference? It might have been, like, tie-ins, too, with product. You know, okay. everything's already purchased. Everything's already made. Um But I guess if they've done it three times before, I don't know why this one's the exception. That's sort of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Like, the original trilogy and the prequels all traditionally opened in May. So that was something that George Lucas and Lucasfilm back then had done, but I don't know why that's a paradigm that Disney and Lucasfilm still need to do now. Are we celebrating, like, the anniversary, 
still, that they wanted something to come out, like, close to the anniversary of a Star Wars movie, or, I mean, the... I mean, if that's the case, I don't know why they didn't release this one on May the 4th and moved Avengers to the end of May. I mean, this winter, I know we were just talking about Disney, the the new park opens in late fall. Mm-hmm. So maybe they wanted to have something already set in place with Solo so it didn't like conflict with this giant launch of their new land that's opening in Disney World. Uh, yeah, maybe. That could be. Although at the same time, I feel like if you open a Star Wars land at Disney, it doesn't matter when you open that, people are going to go. Right. So it's not like it... I don't feel like it's something you need to market. Um... Yeah, so and sort of I think I mentioned earlier, I don't think this is getting bad reviews. Like I I feel like this is the word of mouth that I've heard have, has actually been pretty positive for this movie. So I don't know if yeah. it's I don't know why like bad reviews would turn people off from it if it's getting reviewed fairly. I mean, I guess maybe I don't depending on what you call good. Currently at Rotten Tomatoes, it's 70 71% for critics and 63% for fans. So that you could call that maybe mediocre, but I'd I'd put that on the on the good side. I think on Google I saw it was like eighty three percent positive. Okay. So that's even better because I know sometimes the critics on Rotten Tomatoes can be kind of harsh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually read what they were saying. I just mm-hmm. looked at the percentages. But I think that puts it. I put. I think that puts Solo as like the third worst out of the Star Wars movies ranked on Rotten Tomatoes. I think episode two and episode one are the only two that are below that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nobody uh, likes wait, a good me... backstory anymore. Apparently not. <laughs> I mean, you think about it too. Like, well, this is something I've I've seen a couple people bring up online and stuff. Is when the prequels came out, there was no Twitter, there was no social media. So, I mean, fans were vocal, but not as vocal as this. Right. When they didn't like something. So I think the reaction to Solo and The Last Jedi is really the same as what we had with the prequels, but it just it didn't hit as hard or as as quickly as it does now today, thanks to social media and all the shit that you can just post online. Um, so I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, episode one, fifty five percent critics, fifty nine percent fans. Episode two is at sixty six percent critics, which is higher than I would think. Fifty-seven percent fans. Uh, episode three, seventy-nine percent critics, sixty-five percent fans. Yeah, solo, seventy-one percent critics, sixty-three percent fans. Oh, that's lower than I would expect. Uh, Rogue One is eighty-five percent critic, eighty-seven percent fans. Uh, episode four, ninety-three percent critic, ninety-six percent fan. Empire, 95% and 97%. That's expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return of the Jedi is 80% and 94%. Apparently, critics, I guess, didn't like that as much. Uh, Force Awakens, 93% and 87%. And <laughs> The Last Jedi, 91% critics, 46% fans. But hurt fanboys. <laughs> I I can't get it. Star Wars fans are the worst type of fans. Like you, they're they're the harshest to their own stuff that they are supposed to love. Yeah, and I never understood that. Such a good time to be alive. I mean, yeah. I, I just watched it again the other day. I'm like, this movie is amazing. How do people not like this movie? It's so good. I know. And I know I know a few people that it still 
they've tried to watch it a couple times and they still can't get behind it, but they're not like swearing off the franchise because of it. Right. That's that's a definite overreaction. We still have in, one in more movie. Opinion. Still one more movie. Yeah, so I'm really curious now if people that didn't like The Last Jedi, if they're going to go into nine thinking, okay, this is going to right all the wrongs, or if they're going to sort of like they, you know, like we're presuming they did with Solo and just swear off the rest of the franchise and be like, nope, I'm done, I'm checking out. It, there's more available seats for me. So that's true. I'm just, you know, if they don't want to go, that's okay. I'll take their ticket. <laughs> Stay off the day that they launch the tickets at like midnight. It's more for me. Yeah, the problem is even though like we'll say half of the Star Wars fan base does not go see that movie, there's still a shit ton of people yeah. that are going to go see that movie. And then we're teaching new generations to love it. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'm actually curious to see what kids growing up now, like if they see Solo, what they think of Solo. Like us as adults that have sort of grown up with the franchise and, and it's been ingrained in us since the little kids and we're we're coming at these movies now as adults. I think we look at them a lot differently. Um, I think it has, it's um, really making an impact with girls because uh, I just did, read an article this woman um, out of Ireland did and she said the last four uh, Star Wars movie has the most uh, dialogue for women Oh, okay. So makes, yeah. I think it's definitely making an impact with young girls. Now we have, you know, uh, forces of destiny. We have like, um, like a, a, a great role model in, you know, rebels and the clone wars. And I can just, I see more of an impact with young women. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't really think about that. Yeah. Cause rogue one was Jin, So that's mm-hmm. your, there's your central antagonist. Ray is a big part of the new sequel trilogy. Um, I guess in the, so I guess Kuari had or I don't I can't even say her name. Kira? Kira, is it Kuari? Kuri Kiri. Kira. Kira. God, I still can't say it. I'm terrible with names. It's okay. Um. Yeah, I guess so. So she even had a pretty good amount of dialogue compared to other Star Wars films too. And they even included L three in the oh, okay, female yeah, voice as okay. well in that movie. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely resonating more with girls and young women too more than it. I mean, who didn't love Leia? She was amazing. She was brave. Um, She was a princess with a blaster. (laughs) But we have so much more in that. I mean, now they get, you know, they can wear underwear in space. So, hey. Yeah. We're we're evolving. And like you said, Clone Wars has Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. Rebels has Hera and Sabine. Yep. So there's a lot of people out there. But even the badass women villains in, you know, the Clone Wars and Rebels have been amazing. Like Asajj Ventress and... Um, the you know the Night Sisters, and it's just you know some really badass women in that too. So I think it's definitely um, bringing a whole new group of demographics into seeing Star Wars too. Yeah, yeah. I see. I found that stuff all interesting too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I think what we'll do now, and what I what I normally try to do when we do like these movie type review episodes is. Before we get into the spoiler, the real meat of the stuff and the spoilers that we really, really want to talk about, we're I'm I'm assuming some people listening to this have not seen the movie and maybe they're they're waiting for our opinion before they see the movie. So, at at the front here, we'll talk generally spoiler free about what we thought of the movie before we get into spoilers. I'll, I'll throw out the spoiler warning so you know when we're going to hit that stuff. Okay. Uh, so, 
just to before we get into the specifics and spoilers, Paula, what did you think of the movie? Spoiler-free thoughts. Um, it definitely exceeded my expectations. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. There wasn't a part of the movie where I was like, "God, I wish this was over." Um, <laughs> it's a good I, sign. Yeah, I was definitely looking forward to it. I was one of those people who were like, "I don't know if Alden, not going to say his last name, starts with an E, is really my cup of tea for you know playing Han Solo." But as I you know watched it. And I saw some scenes where they did some side shots of him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he looks like Han Solo in that. Or maybe it's my brain wanting him to look <laughs> like Han Solo. But um, I enjoyed the stories of the characters, especially Chewie. Um, I I liked Kira's role. I, I think it was a fun ride. And I definitely want to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the cast actually did really well, a lot better than I not that again. Not that I had any expectations really going in. Um, I think Alden and uh, Donald Glover stole the show for oh, me. Yeah. I thought they were fantastic. Absolutely. Um, I really like seeing certain specific uh, Star Wars locations that have only been talked about and referenced in extended lore that we finally get to see on screen. So that was cool for like a longtime fan. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually a few few really cool surprises that I didn't see coming, which anytime a movie can surprise me, I am that already bumps it up a few points for me. Um, the soundtrack for this movie too, I thought was really, really good. There's a lot of like hidden original trilogy cues in the music that I, I really enjoyed. Was this still um, done? Is this the last one done by John Williams? John Williams did the, they established and created a theme for Han Solo. Okay. It's called like the Adventures of, of Han Solo, I think, or something like that. John Williams did that. Okay. The rest of the soundtrack is John Powell. Okay. Um, still, but yeah, he incorporated a lot of, we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah. He incorporated a lot of like classic trilogy cues in the music, which I appreciated. Um, and I think I mentioned, I, I, I said this a couple of times. I've went in with low expectations of this movie, but I came out of it wanting a sequel. So to me, that was a win. This movie did its job. Awesome. Um, I don't know if we want to get into this now or maybe later, but generally speaking, how do you think? How do you feel this stacks up to other Star Wars films? Like, where might it fall in your list? Um, I think it might be sixth. Okay. Uh, maybe fifth. I enjoyed it, but I, you know, uh, Last Jedi. Force Awakens, Empire Strikes Back, and um, Return of the Jedi are always going to be like those top four, but I did enjoy it more than Rogue One. I love okay, the story okay. of Rogue One. Don't get me wrong. It was a great story. It was really great acting, and I enjoyed it, um, but this was a lot of fun, and yeah, I like fun <laughs> more than I like <laughs> People die. Yeah, everyone can get a little depressing. It's a little sad at the end. Like everyone dies. Sorry. Oh, that was a spoiler. (laughs) But not like a recent spoiler. (laughs) I'll leave that one in because I'm hoping by the people that listen to this have presumably watched the other Star Wars films. If you haven't watched Rogue One by now, you don't deserve to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Sorry. Not sorry. Way to alienate half our listener base. And by half, I mean five people. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's somewhere middle of the road for me. I it is hard to to crack into that top three or four with a lot of, especially like I, I think Last Jedi is up there for me. Force Awakens is up there for me. Empire is obviously up there for me. Um, I might even put Rogue One up there for me because I do really like what that one did. I it like I know a lot of 
people that love the classic trilogy always putting a new hope up there. I really think now compared to other modern movies, a new hope is great for setting up the world and world building and, and mm-hmm. introducing people to the franchise, but it can get slow compared to some of these other movies with, a, with the pacing and stuff like that. I think rogue one actually does a really good job of, of keeping the pace up and keeping you invested and interested in the movie. Right. So I might actually put that above a new hope for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but somewhere after that solo falls in, it's definitely above the prequels. Oh Yeah. So not that there isn't such good adventures in the prequels, like there are some right. good adventures yeah. in there. And if with, without that, we wouldn't have the Clone Wars. And so, you know, we do appreciate them in their own special way. Yeah, normally I'm I'm one of the defenders of the prequels. Mm-hmm. I, I understand there are certain things that are just terrible about them, but they, they serve a purpose. They are intended to build more of the story and flesh stuff out. And I, I will defend that every time. Right. So we are not we are not bashing the prequels here. No. They're just as preferences. They are lower on our list. Right. Um, all right. I don't know if there's anything else non-spoiler because I know we're we're kind of itching to get into spoilers. But more or less, if you haven't seen this movie, even regardless of what we think, I highly recommend just going to see it. I kind of preach that every time we talk about movies. Like our opinion is one thing. You may, your opinion may completely differ from ours. So. If you are even on the fence of this, just go see the movie and form your own opinion and see if you agree with what we've talked about or we'll talk about. I, and feel yeah. free to yell in your car whenever you're listening to this <laughs> if you disagree with us. I agree to your agreement. <laughs> All right. So from this point moving forward, we will be discussing spoilers and plot details for Solo. So if you haven't seen the film, pause us now. Come back to us after seeing it. Or if you don't mind being spoiled, feel free to listen on and uh, we will continue to ruin the movie for you. So this is your last warning. Spoilers to follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so we are into spoiler territory. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like the play, the best place to start with this is the biggest fucking surprise cameo that this movie had in store that I had no idea was coming, but it blew my mind. Awesome. Mall. I, I had, yeah. I, so excited. It's one of those things, I think, maybe because I've seen... Marvel try to do like these interconnected worlds between TV and movies. And then when you start watching the TV side of it, you realize, no, these are not connected. They don't give a shit what the movies are doing. Right. So having solo acknowledge stuff that has happened in the TV series and the cartoons that somehow hit home for me. And I never would have expected them to do that just because maybe Marvel has trained me one way, but this has proven to me that the story group at Lucasfilm knows what exactly they're doing and they have a plan for all this stuff and they make it work. And I thought it was fucking fantastic. It all has to run through like Pablo Hidalgo. It has to like, yes, I feel yeah. like he's the secret voice, like breathing in everyone's ear. Um, But yeah, I thought I was, I'm always on Twitter, you know, Brian, I like read Twitter <laughs> like crazy. Nobody cares that I'm on Twitter, but I read everyone else's Twitter. Um, but people were on there like, wait a minute, wasn't he dead? Like, didn't he die? We saw him die. And I'm like, Mm-mm, no, he's alive. Yes. Yeah. Well, he, I, yeah, he was at that point. Because <laughs> one of my buddies that went and saw it with me, that's the first thing he said to me was like, isn't he dead? Like, how is this possible? Is this somebody else that just looks like him? Is this mom? I'm like, no, 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 that's him. Like, that, you got to watch the cartoons for that. Yes. And... Even some, I think Josh actually, after he saw the movie, was sort of questioning me about that too. Like, didn't he die? And, you know, you try to give people the summary of what has happened in Rebels and Clone Wars to be like, this is where he's at and this is what's happening. Right. And I know my one buddy that saw it with me opening night has, keeps saying like, well, I, I need that explained. 
So if I feel like if they put Maul in something else, they almost need to give him some sort of exposition or monologue explaining what has happened to him in the years prior to that. Because the casual fans that just see the movies, you're right, they have no idea what the fuck's going on and are really confused by that scene. Mm-hmm. But for us that watch all that stuff, that was a big fucking deal. Yeah. And maybe it'll get some people to watch The Clone Wars, and maybe it'll get some right, people really yeah. interested in Rebels. Because here we are sitting back going, ha, ha, oh, you sh- we've been telling you to watch this stuff all along. <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't watch cartoons. Like, it's animated series. Right. It's an animated series, and it's very good, and it's written very well. And and we reap the rewards, because we know that Maul was alive at that point. So, And I think that was what stuck out to me, is... When they show the hooded figure in the hologram, you're I think you're it's meant to be a misdirect. I think you're meant to think it's Palpatine. Mm-hmm. But just from the voice, I'm like, that's Sam Witwer. That I could tell that was him doing Maul. Right. And it still didn't click. Like I was still like, no, they wouldn't do that. And then when the hood comes off, I'm like, oh shit, they did it. And it is actually the voice actor from the Clone Wars, correct? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Witwer did uh he actually he actually did voice the Emperor in the Clone Wars mm. and Maul in the Clone Wars and then reprised Maul for Rebels. Okay. Yeah, it was um, great seeing him. A great ending. And, yeah, and I'll tell you what, though, because there were people in the theater with me, and I've only seen it once, but there were people in the theater with me when that reveal happened that people lost their shit. <laughs> and I lo- I couldn't hear the dialogue of that scene, like mm-hmm. what they were talking about and what was going on. So I, st- I still want to see it again almost for that reason, too, just to pick up what I missed. Right. Because I think, I mean, for the people that are caught up with the the cartoons and stuff, or maybe even for, for anyone that's listening to this that hasn't watched that stuff, maybe between the two of us, Paula, we can sort of summarize what's been going on with Maul. Sure. So if people need that explanation. Um, so yes, Maul is alive. After being cut in half, his the top half of his body is, I guess, more or less sustained by pure hatred for Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he, he somehow lives through all that. Somehow fashions himself spider legs. Some, yeah, some big mechanical legs. He ends up on a junkyard planet, barely sane. Um, and it isn't until his, I, she's his mother, right? I think I th- mother tells him was think the bro- his, his brother mother. finds him. Right, but I think tell mother tells him sends Savage Opress yes. to find yes. him. Yes. So yeah, there's another. Uh, Savage Opress is Darth Maul's brother, looks the same, but has different paint on his face and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, is sent by the Night Sisters of Dathomir, which we hear, I think, that planet mentioned. I think Maul does mention Dathomir in this movie. Isn't is the, I think that's where he says that's where he is. Yes. Um, leading the the groups, the criminal groups. Yeah, I can't think of that. Crimson something? Crimson. Crimson. Oh, I wrote it down. Shit. <laughs> Crimson Dawn. Crimson, <laughs> Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn, yes. And it just so happens he's, you know, crimson in color, so. Oh, very good, yeah. Yeah, that's a tie-in. <laughs> um, yeah, so Savage finds him on, basically, in, damn near insane on this planet, brings him back to Dathomir and their mother, and then she fixes his mind where he becomes basically sane and, and sort of put that together, mm-hmm. and then gives him better mechanical legs. Right. So he becomes a, a full person again, sort of. Um, and at that point, he just wants to wreak havoc. His his one sole mission at that point is to to go after Obi Wan Kenobi. And it becomes, I forget which it had to have been season five, I think, of Clone Wars when it finally comes to a head. Maul starts to um, gain power and form criminal enterprises, eventually leading a 
criminal side of the Mandalorians called Death Watch. And he doesn't over... he kill um, the head of Death Watch with yes, the, the black John Favreau's yeah character. the black saber. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, why I can't Priz Priz Vizla or Pre Vizla Vizla yes yeah. Um, yeah. So Maul takes over Death Watch, has the dark saber, which then the dark saber actually comes into play in Rebels. That's a whole other storyline. Um, but at that point gets the attention of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi goes after Maul on Mandalore. Uh, Maul kills the woman that Obi-Wan, we assume, loved. Satine. Yes. She was leading Mandalore at the time. Yes, yes. Uh, so their, their fight came to a head, but not finished there. Um, and as Maul is doing all these criminal deeds and, and sort of making a name for himself, he catches the attention of Darsidious who realizes this guy is getting a little bit too powerful for my taste. He might screw up my plans and faces uh, Savage Opress and Darth Maul at the same time in a fucking awesome lightsaber battle. Mm-hmm. And finally takes out Savage Opress and leaves Maul wounded and, and broken again. And that's where we left him off for Clone Wars. Right. And I think I think there's a, there's a four or five issue comic that takes place after that that is considered canon, where I think... Darth Maul gets imprisoned, and some of the remnants of Death Watch break him out. And after he's broken out, he starts to, again, build up some sort of criminal side or and, and stuff like that. So, I think Rebels takes place, I don't know, 15, 20 years after that. So, we meet him in this movie between those two series. And this is before he shows up in Rebels, when he's still the head of these criminal organizations. So, I don't really know what his end goal is here. Um, but he's, I don't know, trying to consolidate power and, and do something. He's got to have some end goal with these criminal organizations, but I don't even know if I know what that is or I if we know what that is. I think he, he has such a distaste for the Empire as much as he does Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right, um, right, right. So I'm sure it's to, um, kind of put a dent in the Empire's, you know, ways without being so heroic, like yeah, the yeah, Rebellion yeah. is. He's kind of on the dark end of it, so. Right. Yeah, because even, I think the the lightsaber that he ignites in Solo looks like, I think, the lightsaber he has in Rebels, which looks like the remnants of a um, Inquisitor lightsaber. Yes, because it kind of has that round middle to it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who wants to know what happens to Darth Maul <laughs> after all of this, you should watch. All four seasons of Rebels. It's amazing. Yeah, so we gave you the jumping off part to get you up to Solo. But there are other... Solo covers this gap. There's a gap of, I don't know, 10 or 15 years of Maul's story between Clone Wars and Rebels that we don't know what happened. So if they start putting him in live action film, we might be able to see, fill in that gap. Or I don't know I don't know what their plan is for Maul. Whether we're going to see him in movies or if it's going to be comic books or novels or something that's going to flesh out that time period for him. But they obviously have a plan for him and what they're going to do. Well, I think you just can't tease us with Maul because he's one of those, you know, he really didn't get the credit he deserved at the end of um, three. Yeah. So I feel that him being teased is kind of like a fan favorite villain. Um, Maybe goes back to those rumors of having more solo movies. Which would be great. And that's the other thing, too, is I, I don't know where they would go with him from here. Because if they set him up in a movie, 
he almost seems a little bit out of place if he would show up in a solo sequel. I just, I don't feel like I see Han Solo taking on Darth Maul. Maybe in a Boba Fett movie? Maybe. Like, I could I could see him working with Boba Fett or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's, he fits more at home in the Obi-Wan movie that's been rumored. However, if you've watched Rebels, that storyline ends with Obi-Wan right. in Rebels. Right. So they've already done what I would like to see in a live-action movie in the cartoon. And I don't think they're going to rehash that. Right. I think so, that in Solo, they, they, like, they did a lot with the underbelly and the seedy parts of Star Wars. Right, right. Um, and I think that um, like that needs to continue. We enjoyed seeing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I feel like what they're trying to do with Maul is, I don't know, like if they were going to do the sequel, try to have him as this head of this criminal organization. And if they set it up where Han has to go after him, I feel like him encountering some sort of force wielder or Sith prior to meeting him in A New Hope kind of throws the character for a loop. Because he says, you know, to Han and, or not Han, he says to Luke, he doesn't believe in any of that mumbo jumbo. So So it's almost like you're playing, he's playing it as if he hasn't seen it or experienced it ever before. Right. So it, it, yeah, that, that line of dialogue specifically is what I'm, what I'm hinging that on. Mm-hmm. Is that I'm not sure if they're able to cross paths. Yeah. I think that um, if we do see Maul again, I mean, I really enjoyed seeing this, like, seedy underside of, like, the Star Wars universe. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't primarily all about the Rebels. It wasn't primarily all about, you know, the first, um, you know, the Empire. Right, it right. was, like, all of the the underbelly of it all. So, it would probably have something more to do with, um, you know, Boba Fett or like we were talking about, maybe um, bounty hunters or the crime organizations um, that we would see him again, which I wouldn't be upset. Maul the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, it'd be nice to see if they I'm I, like, I'm wondering if they're teeing him up to have another solo movie, like not mm-hmm. solo movie, but hit, Maul have his own standalone movie. Yeah. That would be something I think would be fun to see. Mm-hmm. I'd actually rather see that, I think, over a Boba Fett movie. And they could pull things that maybe we've already seen in, you know, the animated series. Maybe they pull that and make it into the live action. Oh, so kind of like retell the same story or? Yeah. Yeah. Because like you and I were saying, it's a lot of people have not seen, you know, the Clone Wars or Rebels or things like that. So right. maybe they want to know more of the backstory without watching like six seasons of Clone Wars and yeah. four seasons of Rebels. So I mean, I'd love to see some of that stuff play out in live action. I don't think mm-hmm. they'd retell it, but I could see them doing a movie like in that gray area where Maul exists, but we don't know what he's doing. And I mean, even if they wanted to, not that they've done this, I think with either the, the definitely Rogue One, they didn't do it and they didn't do it in solo either, but they didn't have like the opening crawl. Yeah, they didn't. But if you've set up the mall movie and you need to sort of fill people in, that opening crawl, I think, would do... That's your exposition right there. Right. Give the crawl explaining what's happened to him and where he's at and then kick the story off instead of... I think that would actually work better than leaving it as some sort of big, long monologue that he has to tell someone so they understand as the audience, like, what's going on with him. Um, I think, though, the solo story is kind of picking 
on a lot of stories like um, old books or old comics or things like that and it's pulling pieces from that so a mall movie could be just kind of like that like picking and choosing what they wanted to you know pull from an animated series into the movie i feel like that's slightly different only because the books and stuff that i feel like the solo movie is drawing from is no longer considered canon okay so they're picking and choosing what they want to make officially canon and since clone wars and rebels are canon it's not like you can sort of pick and choose what exists in that world and what doesn't since it's already considered part of that world. That's true. You'd have to be really true to the story since right. it's already um, That's like Disney. You know, as much as <laughs> it's already PD. <laughs> as much as if they do an Obi-Wan standalone movie and Maul is somehow a part of that, they'd have to have that battle play out exactly the same way you see it in Rebels. They can't make it more right. stylized or something because then that contradicts what you saw in the TV show. Right. And then we'd all be angry. Right. Yeah. Boys. <laughs> um, trying to think where we want to go from here. I have like bullet point, just questions and stuff like that. But some of the stuff I think I mentioned earlier, non-spoilery that there was certain locations and, and stuff that has been mentioned in lore, but we finally get to see on screen, like seeing Corellia was a yes. big thing for me. That's some place that's always been talked about, but never seen on screen. So that was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and we we get to see the famed Kessel Run play out, which is a big midpoint of the movie. Uh, what yeah. did you, you think of that section? I thought that was really interesting. Um, when um, he, it's uh, like a spice mining community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Um, I just, I don't know what to expect whenever, I mean, I have this big book of Star Wars lands <laughs> that I could have referenced, so I knew what I was walking into, but it was, um, even though it was dark, it was fun. Yeah. Like, you knew what was coming, but you didn't know how it was going to happen. True, but, um, yeah. Uh, no, it was really interesting to see those, those planets. And, you know, anytime there's a, um, a Star Wars movie, I always expect to see pretty worlds and these worlds were not pretty <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like it's from crate which is white on red to hoth which is so you know winter white and <laughs> like endor which is nice and green and these were like dirty yucky planets like i would not want to be on those planets so they were really interesting like you were saying to see yeah it was definitely the like the dark and gritty side of and i've, I've heard this compared to a lot of like a western tone and i definitely get that from this movie yeah the um the chase with the uh, elevated train kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like, even though it was kind of, like, just gray on white, it was really interesting, like, beautiful to see. It and was pretty cool. a train heist, which is, like, in a staple for every Western. Yes. What was the last planet they were? Sev Severin? Severin? Um, Tell you the truth, I don't remember. It was, like, the desert world. Right. Yeah, that's the one that I can't one, remember. They were on it. I'm like, this feels like a... um. Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome oh, kind yeah, of yeah. <laughs> look to it too. Yeah, um, I think with the uh, with the Castle Run, I feel like I I don't know if it's just thinking of other lore or stuff, but I always assumed it was some sort of race. Like, and and I don't know if like the twelve parsecs thing. I guess you always assume that's a like a, a limit of time. Like that's a, yeah. that's a quick time for for whatever it is, but. This movie sets it up that is actually a distance. You can only go through that that 
maw that I guess what they call it the maw maelstrom. Oh, the maw. You can only go that a certain go through that a certain way. That ends up being twenty four parsecs in a distance. But he cut so, through that, took a shortcut, and that's why it's twelve parsecs par- parsecs instead of twenty four. Right, and that's probably like a good assumption to have is that it would have been a race because that's what I mean, especially in bloodlines, that's what right Han yeah, yeah. is off doing. And I think maybe that's racing. where I took that leap too. Is the other lore mm-hmm. seems like he's an experienced racer, but we never really get even in this movie a sense that he is part of some sort of racing culture. Yeah. I never really, honestly, never really thought about it. I guess that's one of those things you just take for granted. It's like, <laughs> he made the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. Well, who hasn't? Right. No, no. That's really interesting to think about. Mm. Yeah, um, and it makes you wonder how how long it takes for that sort of story to go around. Because even after he does it, he tries to tell people about it. And no one seems like they give a shit. So while they're in that maelstrom or the, the maw, and they come across, like, that big giant creature. Mm-hmm. And you'll have to, like, that was the scene, right? Where they're coming yes, back from. Yeah. Okay, so Aaron and I had a very big conversation about he thinks that it's a purgle in there. Oh, okay. That creature is a purgle because there was like electrical things coming off of it and it kind of had that look. And we don't know if purgle are kind of friendly or not. We've only seen them with Ezra Bridger. Right. And he has that like Jedi connection to them. So, but, um,. Ooh, that'd no, be interesting. Just, I didn't actually put that together. He brought that up to me, and I'm like, that is super smart. Yeah. I Now I really want to see it again and try to mm-hmm. pay closer attention to that. Because I don't because, know if you really... Do you really even get a good shot of what that creature is? No, you get... Well, at the end, whenever they jettison the escape pod. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. the when Millennium Falcon really becomes... Right. Becomes the Millennium Falcon, and... um. Which is a total spoiler that my Lego. See, they Lego oh. has a has a habit of spoiling all kinds of shit. Yep, they sent me the the I got my Lego Millennium Falcon, and on the back it's like, look what jettisons out, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm probably not supposed to know that. I still um, remember hearing about the Lego sets from Civil War. That <laughs> had smaller Lego figures, and then a giant man that spoils mm-hmm. that entire fight sequence from Civil War. Um, but it's, uh, you can actually see a lot of it whenever you're, whenever they pan out and they show the escape pod jettisoning towards the hole and he's trying to come out of the hole. Right, right. Um, yeah, it gets like it's skin ripped off it or something. I think it's too small to be a Sarlacc. So, um, he was right when he was saying it's probably a pergil, which are huge giant squid whales. Yeah, I think the, the Sarlaccs are, like, at least the one we, we've seen before is some sort of pit. So I wouldn't even think it's some sort of creature outside of something like that. Yeah, that's true. But the Purgle, yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't really put two and two together. I feel like it was more squiddy than the Purgle, but maybe I'm I'm overthinking it. I'll, I'll try to find a picture so we can get a little bit more yeah. clarification on that. But that was really interesting. Shout out to my husband. <laughs> Good job, Aaron. I think you're <laughs> onto something there. This is assuming he listens and gets the shout out. <laughs> if I not, make you can, him you can tell him it's in there. He's your fourth listener. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll get him a badge made up. Uh, we talked a little bit about Alden and Donald's performances, but do we want to go into any of that any more specifically? Um, no, I think, I mean, you were talking about like Donald Glover being 
perfectly perfectly cast and i agree that was amazing there were times i feel like he hit that deep voice that billy d has and just inflected in dialogue the way billy d does and i was like this is amazing and he was calling him han instead of han yeah um but i think also the actor who played chewbacca just come on he's a big furry thing that like screams and makes noises but you're still like yeah you totally connect with him yeah yeah, I, I should know his name, and I can't think. It's like Sonona, so... Sot- Sotomo. Sotomo? Jo- Junus. Wow. There's a lot of <laughs> consonants and vowels in his name. Getting it wrong. Yeah. Um, I know Woody Harrelson's a great actor, but I was like, in Star Wars, <laughs> he was... He I like, was pretty... I like how they uh, made him like that gunslinger. Yes. Like him flipping around the guns and all that stuff, I wasn't ready for it, and I thought that was really, really cool. Um, I was reading a lot about how he was, like, in the movie, he's... Beckett is the inspiration for Han Solo. Yeah. So you get Han Solo because of Beckett. That yeah. was his kind of role model. Right. One thing that I read somewhere that... I forget what site it was that pointed out to me, but... And I noticed it in the movie, but it didn't click until I read the article. Um... Hans Blaster that he gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never really thought about the scope on the blaster. One, okay. that it has such a long scope. And two, that it's on the right side of the gun when Han is right-handed. You'd think if he's right-handed, it should be on the left side of the gun so he can look down the scope when firing. Okay. But he gets the gun from Beckett. Beckett favors his left hand, which means the scope oh. is on the right side. And also, it has a scope because it is a part of a some sort of sniper rifle configuration, which Beckett disassembles and then hands him the blaster. So I thought that was really cool. That is really cool. It's those things that you don't think about until you start digging in and reading about it and learning yeah. about it. And then you're like, okay, now I got to see it again. Yeah. Because it just, it, it's so important. Those little things are so important. Two uh, Star Wars fans. and <laughs> Yeah, there was a um, lot of, I don't know, do you want to segue into Easter egg stuff since we're sort of, I feel like we're veering into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I only have a couple, maybe four Okay. that I grabbed. You said you started making a list, so I'll, I'll try yes. to go through mine. Um, one of the obvious ones that I saw was Beckett's wearing Lando's disguise from Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, the, um... The Gondar Tusk Helmet. Is that the official name for it? I That's didn't even the know the official name. name of it. The Gondar Tusk Helmet. So I thought that was cool. That was a nice little, not callback, I guess, because this be- happens mm-hmm. before, but nice to see that uh, take a place. Um, Beckett casually dropping Aura Singh. Yes. That he apparently killed her. Um, Lando said Tobias Beckett. Did him a favor. Oh, so by... are we led to believe Aura Singh was after Lando? I believe so. Ooh, okay. Well, apparently she was in the pod race in Phantom Menace. Like, right. she was in that yes. scene. Um, and she's also made a couple of appearances in the Clone Wars. She was sort of, like, mentoring Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, And this is, I don't know if this is official or not. This is my recollection of it. So I haven't been able to compare them, but I think 
the move that Beckett makes against Chewie on the hollow chest board is the same move that R2 makes against Chewie in A New Hope that gets them all pissed off. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere because uh, it Han's like he could tear, you should let him win because he's going to tear someone's arms off because he actually saw him tear someone's arms off. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, And the last one I have, and this is the one that actually brought a smile on my face because I don't know if any other, any, many people would grab this, but when they go into the mines of Kessel and Karai goes to the, like the headmaster and they go into his office or whatever, and she subdues him. Mm. And then someone mentions like, how'd you do that? And she mentions Terrace Kazi. Yes. Which is a fighting style that was made up for a PS1 video game that I own and I love, even though it gets so much shit, but that game was awesome. So the fact that I, they suddenly made that canon and talked about it in the movie. I thought that was fantastic. I did write that down too. And it was also practiced by uh, Darth Maul and the Praetorian Guard, apparently. Oh, see, I did not know that. Um, that was in the last... Uh, oh, it's one of the last Jedi books that I bought. Oh, like that, the like, guides to... Yeah, uh, that like digs into like all of the characters and lands and worlds and things like that uh i think those are all that i have written down so i'm anxious to hear what you you found um i sent you something earlier about the mimban um the mud world yeah um but it was originally mentioned in the first star wars novel um splinter of the mind's eye oh okay um but it has been mentioned in again the Clone Wars. It was mentioned. See the, the screenshot you sent you sent me with the tweet. Yeah, I didn't even remember that those scenes in Clone Wars. See, you're not on Twitter as much as I am. Apparently the not. Things the things that I see. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like a little clip of um, what they had. They mentioned it quickly um, on a radio station or that they were listening to in the Clone Wars. Um, but I was that was really cool. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about Lando, and there's some references to the I don't know that they're called the Calrissian Chronicles or the Calrissian Adventures from like 1983. But a lot of things that he was doing in the movie was coming from those chronicles. Okay. Okay. Um, the Battle of Felucia. Um. I'm going to say that wrong. It's <laughs> F-U-L-U-C-I-A. And Lando briefly mentions this uh, planet Takira, but it was an important battle during the Clone Wars, and it was an episode with Obi-Wan and um, Anakin and, ah- and Ahsoka. I think that's the planet where we see... Oh, shit. What the hell's her name? The Twilight Jedi get killed in Order 66. I think that's Felucia. Oh, okay. They're really, like, teal green looking big flowers planet Mm -hmm. and i realized i think i only know that because in i think it was the battlefront 2 video game for original xbox i think that was a that was a playable planet that you could go to i think that's why i know that um i never in a million years would have remembered that had i not (laughs) read the article and i'm like what is that um but we talked about han um han's dice they're seen in The Last Jedi um, and briefly in A New Hope. Are they um, in A New Corin- Hope? Um, that's, I believe, 
they're shown in the Millennium Falcon. Really? I'll have to watch for that, because that's not something I thought... I thought they added that after the fact. Oh, really? I didn't think it was there since, you know, the originals in 77. That's an eagle, easy Google fix. Yeah. You can just Google that. Um, the Coronet Spaceport was a key location in Star Wars Old Republic. Ooh, um, okay. Uh, lots of Java, the Hut references. Um, how Beckett wants to go to Tatooine, and that's his next job to go work for the Hut family, smuggle for them. But oh, we know that doesn't happen. So we assume that's Java, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Rio mentions a Minoc roast, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I I saw I heard that in the movie, and I'm like, I know what that means. Uh, let's see. Um, there's Imperial probe droids on the train that are the same kind of droids that are seen on Hoth. Oh, okay. I missed that uh, then, too. One of the things I wrote down was, uh, Lando said that he hates mining colonies, like, when they're on Kessel, and it's there, and he ends up having his own mining right, colony right. on Cloud City. Well, that's like the reversal of hand saying i have a really good feeling about this yeah which every other time that's that line of dialogue is it's i have a bad feeling about this in every other star wars movie um let's see oh the lando um han line i hate you i know yeah (laughs) was definitely a throwback to i love you i know or a front throw maybe (laughs) this is for and of course han shot first definitely that is definitive (laughs) in this movie yes I don't know if we could totally call that an Easter egg, but if, you know, you don't know the whole story about who shot first. He doesn't even let Beckett finish a sentence and he takes no. him out. Um, and apparently Anthony Daniels was Tack the Wookiee that... Um, oh, I did read that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He's the one that uh, Chewie kind of like rubs heads with before they yes. depart. That was Anthony Daniels. And... Oh, uh, the guy who played the Wookiee, or not the Wookiee, the, the guy who was in, oh, the little guy. <laughs> Work Davis. Yes, he was in the movie too, but I can't remember what he, what his role was. He was one of the guys, um, with the crew at the end. Okay. I missed that. I don't know if he had a name, but he was definitely there. I do believe that is all I have for Easter eggs. Okay, you found some good ones. Thank you. Um, I want to kind of loop back to, I guess, performances. What did you think of the other... We talked about Alden, D- Donald, and um, Woody Harrelson. What about everybody else? What do you think of how everybody else did? Um, I don't think there was enough Tandy Newton, to be honest. Yeah. I love her. And I, I'm like, she's... What? She's blowing herself up? That's not <laughs> enough. Like, I... That was just not enough time for that crew yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, I wanted more Rio. I wanted more Val. Um, uh, what did you think? Did you want more of that crew? Were you surprised when like they both died? I was, yeah. I really thought they'd make it out of there, especially because I felt like Thandie Newton, I, f- I felt like anyway, was more part of the marketing more. So I think mm-hmm. I expected her to last a little bit longer in the movie. And I, th- I really expected... Regardless of what they were saying her name was, I actually kind of expected her to be... Do you... 
Do you read or keep up with any of the comic book storylines or no? No, not really. So in like the seventh or eighth, it was early on in the run of the Star Wars comic when they rebooted it. Um, There was a African-American character who showed up claiming to be Han Solo's wife. Oh. And I kind of assumed it was going to be Thandie Newton, like they were going to lay the seeds for her to be that character that would just show up later on in the comic book, but they didn't go that route. So I was waiting for her to like, for the name that they were putting in the marketing to be like an alias and her actual Mm -hmm. name was going to be, I think it's like Sansa. I think it was Sansa Solo was her name. Um, But yeah, I expected that through way to happen. So there's, there's obviously something else now that happens in, in Han's story where he sort of gets married at some point. But I mean, in the comic to him, he's not married. It was just something that they did like on a job it didn't mean okay. anything just to just to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. But she took it a little bit too far. Interesting. Um, as far as the other characters, I think uh, Paul Bettany, I think, plays a good bad guy. I liked him. He does. And was he not originally in the first um, like cut of it? He was brought in later on. Yes, there was. I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a. African-American guy cast as that character uh-huh. with what, when uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller did it. And then because of the reshoots that they had to do scheduling, he couldn't do it. So they had to recast him with Paul Bettany. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was a pretty creepy guy. I don't think they gave him enough screen time, but it wasn't really wasn't his story. So I totally get it. Yeah. Maybe in the, you know when we get get it on DVD, and I wouldn't be surprised if they release like a comic about his character, just some sort of criminal underbelly story that like a four issue thing. If they wanted to, I could definitely see that being a thing. Paul Bettany is creepy without extra makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he was creepy. Um, I loved L three. Yes. Yeah, that was the um, next one. So I read an article about how the actress was actually. It was kind of like a C-3PO thing. Like she was on set. She was in some type of like robotic costume to yes. do that. And a lot of her lines that were in the movie were um, just kind of on the spot. She made them up. <laughs> and it was hilarious. The one where um, she's asked, like, what do you want? And she's like, equal rights. <laughs> Laughed so loud. Um, the robot revolution was great. Yes, it was. Um some of the droids in there that you've seen, like you've seen a couple of the droids before and you're like, Oh, I do see the boxy one. The one that looks like an upside down trash can. Gonk droid. Yes. Um, I love how that sequence just like spirals so quickly out of control. Like she takes the restraining bolt off one R2 unit and the rest is just compounds after that. Um, When she has the girl talk with Kira, it's just, (laughs) uh, just you and I, we can talk. Can we talk? Or talk. Coffee talk. It was hilarious. How Lando loves her. And they'll just try to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, um, I think Lando really did love her. There, Yeah, there was definitely a relationship or some connection there. there. But she, as a droid, apparently she had, she was a self-made droid who put, had astromech parts and she put herself together. Just like a good woman should. <laughs> Gotta put yourself together. And I do, I really liked the, uh, like, it, it brought a whole new perspective to the Falcon when 
she kind of goes and they put her, I guess, like mind in the Falcon. Mm -hmm. So all those times in the later movie, in the original trilogy and stuff like that, when they talk about trying to talk to the Falcon, you're thinking it's just them talking to a computer system, but they're actually talking to what's remaining of L3 that's in the Falcon. And looking at that at a whole new perspective, I thought it was really, really cool. That is really awesome. Star Wars movies are the best. Um, the girl who plays en- Enfys Nest, like that whole role was very simple. Like I didn't expect her to take off a mask and be like that young. Oh, like, yeah. That girl's yeah. The, like 12. The uh, Marauders. Yes. Yeah. I liked that storyline as well because you really did think that they were part of that um, – those gangs and things right, like right. that. So that was a nice little twist that I appreciated. And I, the actress who played her, I was like, oh, she's probably like not enough, not old enough to drive. <laughs> um, what about uh, Karai? I don't know if we really dove into her. Um, she, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I have like true feelings about <laughs> her. I think that, um, like, I was surprised at the end when she was, you know, talking to Maul, and she's like, I'll just, you know, she killed Dryden Voss, and she's taking over the role now, and at the end, whenever she kind of double-crossed Han, and, you know, you kind of knew she was going to take on that role. Right. That was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know, the actress wasn't very memorable. Okay. To me. Not like Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Not like, um, you know, Rogue One. All right, who's the actress's name who I can't remember? Uh, Felicity Jones. Yes. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think she did a good job. I, I, I'm curious to see if they dive into her either in a sequel or, or some other extended universe canon thing to figure out what happened over that three years where she's sort of... Oh, yeah. Like getting under Voss's wing, kind of. Yes. What did she do? Because right. she kind of alludes to that. Right. We never, she never says anything. Mm-hmm. We never find out what that, what that is or what she's done. So that's, that's a story to be told if they decide to do that. And if they, obviously, if they do a sequel, I think she has to show back up. Right. Yeah, because how, what do you have to do to become Dryden Voss's, like, number two? Yeah. Or number one, I right. should say. Yeah. So, um, kind of maybe underestimate her, what she can do. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they what they decide to do mm-hmm. with her or where she pops up again. I think we should get an honorable mention to um, Lando Calrissian's Cal- cloaks. His capes. he has a whole closet full of capes. That was amazing, <laughs> and I, I guess we should say like the Millennium Falcon was its own character. Oh yeah, definitely. Was. Yeah. Um seeing it brand shiny new and white was amazing and it did go to shit pretty quickly it was like that one instance through the castle run and that was it yeah i wouldn't mind seeing even like again if they do a sequel just seeing han kind of like slowly piece it back together and put the the dual guns one up top one below like the quad guns that are on there i think that'd be cool to see he has got Mm -hmm. he's got to replace the radar dish i think that flew off too you know, the Millennium Falcon, it just shows up randomly in places. It's like here, now it's here. Right. But like, especially in um, 
The Force Awakens when it ends up on Jakku. Like, yeah. how is it on Jakku? That's the story that needs to be told too. Yeah. Yes. I would. I would read that story. I would watch that story. <laughs> Um, were there any characters that were missing? I think we've pretty much touched on everybody. Yes, and I did look up um, the original Darth Maul actor did play him. I think his name was Paul... Ray Park. Ray Park. Yes. Um, he actually did play Maul, and then it was voiced by the Clone Wars Rebels. Um... Sam Witwer. Yeah. Yes. You kind of feel bad for Ray Park. He portrays the character but can't ever have any speaking lines because they dub him over every time. Yeah. yeah. So, and Darth Maul's so eloquent, too. Yeah. It's like that British kind of soft tone but can be angry at the same time. He's just elegant. I just thought it was such a cool connection that they actually used the Sam Witwer who voiced him in the TV show to actually use him in the movie. Yes. That's like a big, that's a call to the big leagues for him. Uh, let's sort of spin it with anything that uh, kind of bugged you or that you didn't like about the movie. Uh, you know, Brian, I'm that kind of positive person where it's really <laughs> hard for me to find anything negative. Um, I think the only thing, like maybe we touched upon, I didn't realize that how maybe unemotional Kira was, but maybe that was her, just her character. And that was the drive is, you know, she's been through some shit. So yeah. Yeah. I can see that being, that being a character choice for yeah. her in the movie. Cause she knows, I think if she gets too close to hand that she could fall right back into it. And she almost did. Yeah. 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 So I can totally see how like she emotionally had to separate herself from, from that so she can stay on the path that she's been doing for the last three years. Right. Um, I think really that was it. I just enjoyed all of it. Was there anything that was bothering you that you weren't? I feel like there was, there was more at the time that stuck out to me and I can't think of too much. The one thing that really kind of bugs me and still does that I can remember is the throwaway way that he gets his last name. Oh, yeah. I really, really, that really, really irritated me. There was just some Imperial officer, like, oh, you're by yourself, so you're solo. Oh, the last name, gotcha. Like, it's so, it's it's such a, it, it reminds me a lot of how, like, Darth Vader gets his name from Episode 3, where, like, Sidious just kind of pulls that out of thin air for no apparent fucking reason. And it's supposed to have some sort of gravitas and weight. Han Solo is... I mean, that's the persona he's going with. That's who we know and love from the original trilogy. So I feel like having that name from the beginning is is something that, I don't know, should have been almost had... Some, or if, he, or if he, they, they give it to him during the course of the movie, I feel like it had needed to have more like pomp and circumstance to it than just some guy like, well, we're just going to pull this name out of thin air and give it to you. I feel like a lot of Star Wars characters don't have last names, though, like Rey. And yeah. Finn. like yeah. they, a lot of them don't. But um, it was funny because uh, there's a, a parody account on Twitter called Emo Kylo Ren. Right, right. And as soon as the you know the next day the movie you know it just came out the next day, Emo Kylo Ren was like, um, so we're gonna make fun of my name. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Solo. So, um, yeah, that wasn't. It was like anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 
Mm-hmm. So that kind of bugged me. Because um, it's not like he didn't know his family, because he did reference his father in the movie. Right. So now, now it's like, well, if they want to, they could tell a story of what his actual name is or have that be a reveal sometime later on. And maybe that has some some importance. But maybe he just, didn't want to give his real name. Yeah, I don't know. But it's like if you if you do the misdirect like that, then now you have someone, someone somewhere, even me kind of is going to be curious what his actual name is. Because we were all assumed that Han Solo is his name. That's mm-hmm. p- period. Not an alias, and to make it some sort of alias, sort of persona that he, not even a persona, but I don't know it. It makes me look at the character differently in a way that I don't want to look at differently. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, and the only thing I think the the other thing that sort of irritated me, but I think it sort of got explained away once I started looking at what the timeline was, because the way they sort of end this movie, you're left to assume that. Han and Chewie are going to tattooing to take the job from Jabba. Right. And if part of me, when I first saw it, I started thinking, oh, well, this sort of leads up right to A New Hope. But when you meet Han and Chewie in A New Hope, you're left to assume that there's this big backstory kind of history with them. Like they've been through some shit. They've had taken a lot of jobs and the movie almost seems like they were together for a week and then whoop, we're into A New Hope. But like I said, when I finally looked at what the timeline was, this is looking at like 10 years before A New Hope. So they could have done multiple jobs for right. Java. So they still have time. And I really mm-hmm. think, assuming we get a sequel, I'd love to see a sequel. But like my idea for a sequel would be you set the first act up where they're taking jobs from Java and all those jobs are going successfully. The second act is when they take the job that they famously screw up. Mm-hmm. And then the third act is when you introduce Boba Fett sent by Jabba to go after them. I would watch that. Because I think that, because there's obviously Han and Boba Fett have some sort of a history. That's hinted at in the original trilogy too. Right. So you have to see something like that, I think, play out in one of these movies. So to introduce him as the, you know, the adversary to Han and they could have their big sort of run in where Han escapes, but... Boba maybe still has this grudge or something against him. And I don't, I really don't even think you need a Boba Fett movie. I think you put Boba Fett in the Han Solo sequel, and I think that's the way to go. I was just thinking of that, like, kind of like an Iron Man, Captain America feel to it, where it's kind of like both their stories. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with that. Like a Civil War type of feel to it, yeah. Because, I mean, we do know a lot about Boba. Yeah, and that's, those are details that I almost don't know if I wanted to know from the prequels. Like, mm-hmm. they're part of it now, and I'm I'm okay with it, like how what they set up and stuff like that. But Boba Fett works so much better as a mysterious character that just kind of shows up like the Terminator just to fuck shit up and leave. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else was there. Oh, so just sort of maybe spinning off of the sequel idea. Um, assuming there will be sequels, because we don't really know how this is going to play out with what it's making and, and if they have other plans for for other movies. Like I said, I think Alden has signed up for three. So if they want to do a trilogy, they probably could. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in your mind that you would like to see in a sequel? Where, where um, would you like to see the story go? Well, like we were saying, I, I would definitely... Their adventures, like Chewie and Han you know, running around the galaxy. Cause right now we don't have any like Jedi interference. Like the Jedi are pretty much 
right. done. So we, we really don't get a lot of that. So it would just be kind of like those adventure stories, kind of like an Indiana Jones feel where they're doing like different jobs and um, bringing in that, you know, underneath it all kind of quality where it's not all happy endings and rainbows and butterflies <laughs> and Jedi and magic and it kind of takes because we I mean we've had we're we're coming up on like six seven movies with you know rebels and and the empire and then the first order so it kind of feels like you know it's the same thing over and over again where this has such a different feel to it right it is like you said earlier it's kind of like a western kind of feel so I would you know I'd love to see more of that yeah yeah not be really affecting the galaxy at large just the behind the scenes type of stuff that because the you figure the galaxy is a very very large place there are all kinds of other stories and adventures going on besides just the main we're fighting the empire storyline i mean but at the end you know he is the thing that he did was you know give emphasis nest you know all that coaxium and it does fund the rebellion and that's huge yeah so even though it was like a tiny little blip on the the screen it was so important to the rebellion so you still get the tie-in to like the rebellion is happening and the empire is you know shadowing everything and see that's something i like i don't mind it being in the movie but that's something i wouldn't care if it's in one way or the other i think okay. if, if han is looking out for han in these movies that's completely fine with me i think i think and that leads to his his smuggler outlaw type of character at this time period and the thing about this this movie is we kind of saw everything that there is to know about Han that we know about Han. Like, we saw the Kessel Run. We saw the Game of Sabacc. Um, like, there's so much that we, we had questions about that were answered in this movie. It's right. like, okay, well, what new things can we learn about right. Han and Chewie? Yeah, I think they got the, the bullet points out of the way. So if they did a sequel, I've, at least what I hope is that they can dive into the character relationships better, like flesh out mm-hmm. Han and Chewie and show why they have that, that very, very good bond and they watch each other's back really well. Even I'd love to see more with Han and Lando. Right. Like, is this... Oh, yeah. Could this be... That'd be great. It's hard, it, I guess it's hard to tell or you could spin it both ways that when they when Han looks up Lando in Empire and they go visit him and stuff like that, you could, you could leave it where they left off in this movie where he, he wins the Falcon from Lando and they go the separate ways and they don't meet up again until Empire. Or you could spin it where in the sequels they've had other encounters and go on other adventures and missions and stuff. And then they still meet up in Empire and they have a little bit more backstory there. Yeah. I think there's more history there. Like that's how I feel. There has to be more history. Yeah. I hope so. Mainly because I want to see the two of them on screen together again, doing more stuff. I think that's really fun. Yes. More Donald Glover. Yes. Definitely. Yes. (laughs) And if they don't, I don't know whether, cause he's another one I feel like has popped up is like a, people are asking for a Lando standalone movie now. Mm -hmm. So whether or not that's actually in the cards or not, but. I mean, I would even like you were saying with Boba Fett, I would take it in you know, more of him in the movie. Cause he was, he wasn't in the full thing. I didn't even think here. I think Kira was in there more than Lando. So yeah, I think, I think that's probably right. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just speaking of other standalone stuff like that. And considering like we, we mentioned a few that are rumored. Um, are there any of those, even the rumored ones, any of the ones that maybe you'd like to see, whether they're rumored announced or not yet mentioned any other characters or types of stories that you'd want to see in some sort of spinoff? Uh, definitely, um, an Obi-Wan Kenobi 
move uh, standalone. Yeah, um, and they have to get Ewan back for that. You can't do that without uh, Ewan. Right. Maybe that's why I want to see him in one <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi movie. Um, I mean, I'm really sad that Rebels is gone. So I would not mind an Ahsoka movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I follow a lot of Ahsoka fandom on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we'd all be okay if we had an Ahsoka, <laughs> an Ahsoka standalone movie. And there's some gray areas in her story, too, that need fleshed out. So whether they do that in an animated show or a book or a... I mean, she already had one book, but if they give her another yes. book and stuff like that, that's another character I think I would probably lose my shit if they showed up from the cartoon to live action. I think that would be crazy. I would jump up in the theater and run around screaming, <laughs> like twirling my shirt around my head like a helicopter. <laughs> it would be me. Someone would have to tackle me. It would be that amazing. Theater security. Oh, man. There is a huge Ahsoka following out there. It's pretty amazing. But, um... I mean, she, like you were saying, she has a big gray area from the time that she, you know, we weren't sure if Vader had killed her um, to when she shows up at the end of Rebels. So. Well, that, um, that gets explained in Rebels. Right? No, 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 you're right. Because they put her back sort of like where she came from. We weren't like, everyone was like, was Ahsoka alive? And then Dave Filoni came out and he's like, Ahsoka lives. Well, I was thinking about, Question like, the whole, like, time travel thing that was introduced in Rebels. And yeah, And they she... sort of, like, they pluck her oh, out of there. Right. Yeah. But I think they put her right back where she came from. Yes. So, yeah, there is that couple years then that's sort of a gray, mm-hmm. gray area. Yeah, because she comes back at the, you know, finale of Rebels. She's adulting looking a lot more older, I think. She's in a very, like... Obi-Wan Kenobi cloak kind of right. with her staff. Um, we don't even know how that story is going because I feel like that the mm-hmm. way Rebels ended that could have jumped off into another story somewhere else. So whether we see that in a live action movie or some other extended universe canon stuff I think that story needs to be expanded upon too. And you know I think I did hear that Kira was getting a Forces of Destiny episode. Okay. I think I read that. Are they still? Do they still have the the main actresses voicing roles for that too? They do okay. absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I know it was a big deal that like Daisy Ridley and Felicity Jones and stuff were recording for that. I yep. didn't know if that trend continued. I still I have mm-hmm. to get. I think that I think I saw on YouTube they actually because I know they're short episodes, but I think they've sort of put them together in like a half hour volume. Yes. On some of them, yeah. I really have to go back and watch some of those volumes. I haven't done that yet. I want to say I pulled it up on demand from Comcast oh, okay. and watched them together, but they didn't have like the newer ones okay, on there. Gotcha. I'll have to look for that then. Uh, I think that's pretty much what I have. I don't know if we missed anything, anything else you want to touch on or talk about? Um, I, I think some of my um, takeaways were things that we already talked about, like how Solo was given his name. Like I was, that was pretty interesting. But like you were saying, I didn't realize it could have been one of those moments that weren't I think, so Yeah, I think it could great. have been done differently. Yeah. <laughs> um, like the obviously the Sabak Sabak game where he does actually win the Falcon, which you know. Well, that brings. I the was whole... so surprised it wasn't going to happen at the beginning of the movie, like when he first meets Lando. And yeah, well, that brings like, oh, the this whole. Is, this has to be the game. This has to be it, and it's not. You know when they when they when they meet back up on in Empire, 
And Lando says to him, like, what'd you do to my ship? And Han says, hey, you lost it to me fair and square. It that You see that completely played out in the exact way, like, Lando's cheating. Mm-hmm. Han could have cheated because he stole the card, but he didn't. He won completely fair without using the extra card. So it brings a whole nother layer to that conversation, which I thought was really cool to see play out. Mm-hmm. Is it really Lando's to begin with? Like, I feel like at the beginning of the movie, it's like impounded. Yeah, I guess I was saying that too. Now that you mention it, yeah, because it you make it seem like he's saying it's his ship, but really he could just be stealing it from the lot. But it had like a DJ kind of feel to it, like when DJ stole that yeah. ship. Yeah, but it was like Jedi. pimped out, and and I feel like Lando's effects, like it obviously it has oh, all those capes true. in there. The bar yeah. is there. What bar? But I mean, that doesn't mean the ship wasn't impounded some way somehow and he just wanted to get it back so he enlisted his new friends to get it back for him um we talked about i had noted like the pargol was like one of those question marks that i had i loved l3 she was fantastic i would i i feel like we need more of her in the movie <laughs> um i think that was all I had written down really. Okay. Yeah, I think uh I I definitely want to see it again. I don't know how soon I'll get around to seeing it again. Mm-hmm. Uh cuz a lot of the stuff that we we talked about that I didn't catch the first time, I definitely want to try to keep an eye out for the second time. And I feel like even and I mentioned this before, movies that I see that I guess I I want to be sure of how I feel about them and like the first time I sort of have to let it wash over me and then the second time I really have to dive into it and try to digest it and see what how I feel when it comes come out the other side. So watching it the just the one time and talking about it now, I really feel like I might rate it higher than maybe what I actually think had I if I see it again, but I don't know. I'm I'm curious if it if it affects what I how I feel about the movie if I see it again. Cuz if I if I come out of it the second time and feel the same way I do now, then it's I'm pretty solid where I'm going to stay. Right. I think that um, it kind of has that Last Jedi quality where you walk out and you're like, yeah, that was good. But then you see it again. You're like, no, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was actually, again, I was surprised that I wanted to see a sequel when it was over. And two, Mm -hmm. how much I really just kind of wanted to sit down and talk to someone about this when it was over. Because I wasn't sure how much that was you were going to be able to really dive into what happened and what they talked about and shown mm-hmm. in this movie if it was just backstory for hand that we sort of already knew. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot more here in here to unpack than I, I think I expected. Right. I feel like they put a lot of work into this movie. Yeah. With all the references that they had, and you know, like we were saying, tying it into everything that we know about the original three movies and everything that you were saying about. You know, the system, you know, C-3PO talking to the ship and Lando making comments like that. Like, it all is tying in. So someone's doing their research and they did a great job. Oh, yeah. That story group is putting in some overtime. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these people who are upset about it, I'm like, you just don't know <laughs> how hard they're working to make you happy. And why is nothing making you happy? <laughs> Everybody just likes to be bitter. I feel like that's part oh, of internet culture now. It hurts my heart. Yeah, that's why I can't. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm not on Twitter as much as you are because I can't stand to read some of that shit. It just pisses me off. Twitter is a harsh place. 
And I, and it's kind of like one of those things. Being a Raylo is kind of, <laughs> you know, your happy place where you find all these people who are just absolutely, you know, enamored and happy <laughs> and joyous with this movie. And then you go on Twitter and everyone's so miserable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Shout a, out to my Raylo. <laughs> tough crowd out there. <laughs> it's a tough crowd. Uh, all right. So we'll wind down with. Uh, do you want to try to give it a rating out of ten? I would definitely give it a nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe waiting. next time I see it, 9.5. Who knows? <laughs> like I said, I think I, I, I do have to see it again. After a first viewing, I'm, I'm leaning somewhere in the 8, 8.5 range. And I thought I was going to go as low as maybe a 7. But again, the more we yeah. talk about this and the more I dive into it and the more I talk about what I like, it's like I have to rate it higher than that because I there is a lot in here to dig into and a lot to like. I think it would have been higher for me if Alden was a little bit more Harrison Ford-ish. Okay. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just he doesn't look like him to me. And I think that's a hang-up. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I th- he's, I like that he's not trying to talk like Harrison Ford and really do... I, I didn't feel like he was doing a lot of the mannerisms of Harrison Ford. He really just mm-hmm. tried to, to do his own thing and keep the charisma and charm that Han Solo has. And Okay. Sort of like that attitude of, like, I could talk myself out of any situation. There's there's a few times where he just chimes in when he shouldn't, and he gets himself into trouble half the time, but that's the character. That's what Han does. He talks his way out of stuff. Right. So I did see um, this one part, and I was saying, like, his profile, when he's on the Millennium Falcon for the first time, but he's not obviously allowed to be in, um, you know, the pilot role, and he's sitting back in his profile and he just starts to smile and I hit Jen because Jen was sitting next to me and I'm like he looks just like Harrison Ford right then and there if I could have had that the whole movie I would have been happier but um I think that was that like you said it's a hang up I just wish he was a little bit more Harrison Ford-esque yeah and it's hard not to compare him to Harrison Ford Mm -hmm. I feel like that's everybody's doing that regardless of whether you're conscious of it or not. That's just, if you've seen the other Star Wars movies, you can't help but compare him to Harrison Ford. Right. I mean, Harrison, from what I understand, gave the sign-off that he approved this movie and really liked it and liked Alden's performance and all that stuff, but you gotta wonder if at the same time if Harrison Ford is just happy it's not him doing it, and if it's he's just happy it's somebody else. Yeah. So, that could be too. Um, all right, any final thoughts? Otherwise, we'll Good. close it down. Yeah, go see this movie. Yeah, I, I second that. Don't be a stubborn fanboy. Go <laughs> see the movie. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Feel free to comment on Facebook page or anywhere that you you listen to this and let us know what you think. Um, and speaking of all that, you can if you enjoy the show, please stop by iTunes. You can leave us a five-star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show wherever you can listen to us at, which we should now be available on Google Play if you haven't found us on there yet. All you Android users can now find us easily through Google. Um, and again, as always, you can find us on Facebook, search Bright Guy Super Friends, or go to facebook.com slash Friends. And you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, all that kind of stuff through Facebook, or you can email us, Friends at gmail.com, or at Friends on Twitter. Those last two, I rarely check. Paula knows. She sends me stuff through Twitter all the time. I don't ever respond. But you can try us. We'll get to you eventually. Twitter's the new Facebook. (laughs) Uh, On behalf of Paula and myself, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.